Welcome to the Request 2021 podcast. In the winter of 2021-22, a team of 10 members of scouting, eight from Kent and two from Scotland, will be sailing together on the Bark Europa tour ship from South America to Port Lockroy in Antarctica. The plan is to sail exactly 100 years after two scouts sailed on Shackleton's original quest expedition. I'm Alan Noak and I'm project leader and I'm the person who came up with the whole crazy idea in the first place. Uh, Each of the participants is to carry out an Antarctic research project. So my personal project is to produce a soundscape record of our journey. That's before, during and after Antarctica. The plan is for this podcast to include interviews, scouting historical links, events uh, and research project work that we record along the way. So uh, please join us as we venture to Antarctica and back again on the journey of a lifetime. It promises to be a memorable experience. So welcome to episode 12, I can't believe it's episode 12 now, of the Request 2021 podcast. And uh, we've got some fantastic interviews uh, lined up for you over the next year ahead. Um, uh, But first I've got some uh, sad news and that is that Emma Johnston, one of our participants representing Scotland, has sadly decided to withdraw from going to Antarctica with us. Uh, so we're very sad uh, to to lose her from the actual expedition. Emma's going to be sticking around and, and staying part of the project and she's going to carry on her research project, uh, which is to create some educational children's books about Antarctica. Um, and she'll be uh, sort of part of the wider the project based in the UK with us. Um, but uh, we've uh, spoken to the first reserve for Scotland, Alex McIver, and Alex has agreed to to take on the the challenge of representing Scotland, and uh, he is going to be coming with us on the Bark Europa to Antarctica. So we've got two interviews uh, this month, and uh, one is uh, actually done an interview with Alex himself, so you can get to meet our new participant. Uh, and then we've got uh, our first uh, interview with a, a, a polar author, Michael Smith. And uh, Michael's going to be talking to us about uh, his experiences writing about Antarctica. OK, so off we go with uh, the interview with Alex. Tell me a bit about how you got started in scouting. Um, well, I've always been in scouting since uh, Beavers, uh-huh. and it just sort of started off as, um, when I first moved up uh, from England, um, it just started off as a group to sort of make new friends in the local area, right. and end up making friends sort of both in the local area and internationally, um, Okay, which is pretty, pretty nifty. Yeah, cool. So you went up through Beavers, Cubs, right the way... Scouts, I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you were born in Ilford, you said? I was um, born in Ilford. Uh, my mum lived down there for a uh, wee while. Right. Uh, she was from Scotland and most of my family are from Scotland. So ah, I see, yeah. Hence the, hence the surname. 
Yeah. Um, well, at the minute, I'm still in school. Mm-hmm. Um, doing uh, three advanced hires, which I think is sort of like uh, equivalent to first year at uni in Scotland. Right. Uh, so at the minute, I'm studying um, physics, chemistry, and maths. Okay, so okay. Brain dead by the end of the week. And uh, what else do you love doing when you're not scouting? What other hobbies you got? Um, well, I'd say... Um, my main hobby at the minute is uh, guitar. I've been playing for nearly 10 years now. Oh, cool. Um, That's going to be great on the expedition. So you bring, are you going to be able to bring one with you, though? <laughs> it's possible, isn't it? <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, I also do, um, well, I usually do a wee bit of canoeing and sailing mm-hmm. um, on the river of Wielochen. Right. I have been doing um, archery. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Yeah, I was doing some with my nephew last week. So yeah, cool. Right. Yeah, can't Thanks, can't really do it for scouting much, but I've been doing it for just family. Yeah, yeah. cool. Is that my mum, who's also an instructor, she's looking to try and get a couple more bosses. So we could do like small groups of socially distant archery. Yeah, and... it's a good one, I think, for meeting back on, isn't it? Because there is that social distancing with it. So, which, um, mm-hmm. you know, you can't can't be doing the normal scout games because there's too much contact. So, yeah, no, that's good. Um, it's just a bit, it's a bit crazy stuff. <laughs> uh, archery's good. <laughs> so you got any idea what you want to do yet for a career or...? Um, I would like to, at the minute, I'd like to sort of study um, physics or engineering at uni and sort of yeah. see where that takes me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I- ideally, I'd like to sort of work for a space program, but that's... Cool. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> yeah. So uni will be next year? or Aye. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, so you haven't got all the stress of this year, so... Okay. Mm, <laughs> no, hopefully it'll be better by then. Uh, what's your earliest memory? Go for earliest scouting memory. So, um, I'd have to say uh, it's a bit of a cliche, but I, I remember my very first um, beaver meeting. Really? Um, that you can actually yeah. remember going? Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I, I remember um, sitting in the um, wasn't a horseshoe then; it was just sort of like a circle uh-huh. after doing the introduction, and <laughs> just sort of looking around, seeing who's there, and just sort of talking about badges and that wow and so you would was, have been you would have been six uh yeah yeah, yeah. So that's I'm, good I'm that you can re- remember your first beaver meeting yeah i couldn't i could i mean i i was eight and i can't remember her first cub meeting so <laughs> well, i don't remember my first cub meeting but i can remember my first beaver meeting. oh there you go oh that's all right i don't feel so bad now <laughs> okay um, now, if uh, this is the special question for this podcast. So if you could travel back in time and you could meet Sir Ernest Shackleton, what would you want to ask him? I don't know. I mean, he's been on so many adventures. I just sort of... I'd love, I'd love to hear his stories, really. I'd, lo- I'd love to ask him about his experiences and... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think experiences would have to be the main one because I mean, with everything he's done, he must have some amazing stories. Yeah, and... just be a really interesting person to listen to it with a with a whiskey by the fire. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, we might need that. Well, you've got you've got some sailing experience. I haven't. So, yeah. <laughs> the main thing is just so keep your eyes on the horizon and don't capsize. Yeah, that's going to stand you in good stead, I think. So, but uh, we'll we'll see how we go through the Drake Passage because that's going to be pretty rough, I think. So. <laughs> Okay, next, the next question on our list is unbelievable truth. So is there something you can tell us that might surprise us that we might not think about you? It's not, it's not so much strange, it's just more exciting. Um, cool. So my old schoolmate, um, her dad is best friends with Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Your, your mum said that uh, there was a, you, you know, you know, you McGregor. All right. Well, I, I, I don't personally know him, but uh-huh. I'm a friend in with him. Uh, sort, sort of middle line between my friend's cousin's dog walker's brother. <laughs> so do you think it might be possible to approach him and uh, and see if he'd be an ambassador for our project? Well, uh, like I always say, if you don't ask, you don't get. Might be worth so. a try. <laughs> yeah, he, he could be a patron for the, for the two Scots. So yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Right. Uh, the the next the next question is about food. Okay. So, when we go to Antarctica, is there some special food that you would uh, love to have or have with you that uh, is really good on expeditions for you? Ooh, um, I'd just say, um, any food and just lots of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm quite interested in um, sort of well. Not the local food, because I'm guessing Antarctica doesn't exactly have a local cuisine unless it's no. uh, fish food. <laughs> and, um, maybe sort of, because we're, we're and, uh, gathered, we're stopping in Argentina, maybe sort of like yeah. their local cuisine and any other previous um, Antarctic, Antarctic expeditioners, see what yeah. taken. Okay. And not the, the half ton of chocolate. Yeah, chocolate. <laughs> Go have the chocolate. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think if all goes to plan, we should have about five days in Buenos Aires, which uh, would be fascinating, you know, really interesting place to to be for for a little while before we go. So it might work out. I hope it does. So, um, and, and do you, do you have a, a keepsake or a special item that you like to take with you when you go off on your adventures? Um, well... I'd say my, my latest one is probably my guitar because wherever I go, I get a wee sticker from my guitar case. Great. Um, so, wherever it's been. Yeah. Um, I'd say um, some, something I'd have to take on everything. Because uh-huh. um, most of my international experiences have been scouting yeah. based. I'd have to say my scout blanket because that's got okay. badges on it from, again, everywhere I've been. Fantastic. Okay. Um. Now, we've got we've done something special. Just just your general thoughts about Antarctica. I mean, what do you think about the place? Why do you think it's so special? Um. Well, I'd say it's um. And even even though the world is round, I'd have to say it's one of the um, remote four corners of the world. It's not something everyone does every day, and it it's a it's a once in a lifetime experience and. Yeah. Just sort of the the magnitude of it, the um, sort of the um, not atmosphere, uh, sort of climate, the ecosystem there is very different, and mm. um, it's just 
an adventure and as after watching some of the videos um from from other people going there it's just sort of the tranquility and definitely just just the sheer adventure as well as seeing the opening one or two Spot on. Can't, can't argue with that. So now uh, we've got our interview with Michael Smith, the author of uh, Shackleton by Endurance We Conquer and many other polar books. Here we go. Okay, um, so I'm going to start with the very open question. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I'm an author who specialises in the history of polar exploration. Mm -hmm. And that isn't just the Antarctic, it's also the Arctic. In fact, I'm writing a book at the moment which is more to do with the Arctic and the Antarctic. Okay. But I've always been fascinated with, with the subject and... Um, uh, I've written ten books on the subject now. So, oh my word! Um, yeah, I, I I had a look on I had a look on Amazon and I could I found about ten. So, and I see you've written some children's books as well. Yes, I I wrote two children's books. One uh -huh. on Tom Crean, who was uh, yeah Shackleton's writer, the Irishman, the other Irishman. Also, a book about Shackleton himself, uh, which, which which is called The Boss, and that's. Uh, I mean, I think there have been one or two others, but I think that's the only one that could be described as a full biography. Mm -hmm. I, could be, I could be wrong, mm -hmm. maybe maligning some of my competitors. <laughs> right. Apologies in advance if that's the case. That's okay. And um, what we're hoping to do, we're hoping to put a pack of resources together for young people. So we might talk to you about maybe putting a couple of those in uh, with the resource that we put out. Sure. Um, so we're going to, uh, yeah, so that, that might be something we could work together on in the future. Sure, give me a shout. If I okay. can help, I will. Okay. Um, so I, I understand you grew up in London. Do you still live in London or have you moved out of London? Or? No, I'm, I'm a, a classic war baby. I was born in 1946 uh -huh. and uh, um, moved to London when I was six weeks old. So I always regard myself as a Londoner. Right. Um, but about um, uh, 15 years ago, my wife and I, we lived in West London. Yeah. Um, and my wife and I decided we'd had enough of London and I was writing full time. So we now live in East Sussex. Actually, oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. Near, 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 near the town of Battle. Oh, I know it well. Yes. My, my parents had a, a caravan just near there. So uh, we used to go yeah. down to Battle quite regularly. All right. Okay, uh, so you've escaped from the city like I have. I I, I lived there for many years, but uh, yeah, it's nice to get nice to get out in the sticks. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy it. Um, even though I have London, I love a lot of friends, and my eldest son still lives in London. But but uh, uh, no, we we uh, I, I haven't uh, uh, forgotten London at mm -hmm. all. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's you know it's my home for a long time. Okay, cool. Um, and um, tell me a bit about your career as a journalist. I mean, I know you work for The Guardian, but, you know... Tell, uh, well, I, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a journalist. Mm -hmm. Goodness knows why, but I was absolutely fascinated with news and newspapers, and it was, I can remember as a child, literally running to the door and picking the paper off the mat because in those right. papers yeah. and, I, and I, I just loved, I didn't know what I was reading about, but I just loved reading about it. Okay. And, um, and I decided uh, very early on that, um, that I was going to be a journalist and I um, 
I didn't have a very good education, so I had no qualifications whatsoever. Uh-huh. And so I started as an office, an office boy, in effect, when they used to have office boys. Right. And I became uh, became an editor. Okay. So literally from the very bottom <laughs> to the very top. Ah, so you work, worked your way up through journalism, right? This, uh, yeah, oh, I great. started off working in the, in the, the London offices of of regional newspapers in, mm-hmm. the, in the past newspapers used to have very big london offices to do with things like politics yeah um, and i worked in there and i became a financial journalist okay um, on business pages yeah and later i went to the guardian um, yeah i went to the london evening standard uh-huh. and i went to the observer so i had about 30 odd years wow. of um of being involved and i was predominantly a business and political journalist. Okay, and did did that involve travel, or at the time was it very much desk based? Uh, it was largely desk based. Yeah. Desk based, but I, I did do a bit of travelling. I, I been, went to China a couple of times. Uh huh. Uh, various places, lots of places I haven't been to be honest. But, mm-hmm. but it's, it's business and politics are, are actually quite domestic. Right. Issues. Okay. Uh, to cover, and okay. so that was my my beat for a long time. Okay, so um, so you literally you didn't go to university. You went straight out of school into into yep. into the world of work. So yeah, yep. okay. And um, and whereabouts did you go to school? I went to school in South London, right uh, in Camberwell, uh-huh. Uh-huh. In, South, in South London. And um, uh, later, when I uh, when I was working in London, I met my wife, and we moved out towards uh, Hammersmith and then we lived in Chiswick for a long time okay yeah that was where we had our our own children and they went to school and we brought them up once they flew in the nest that's when we thought maybe we should follow suit okay I I lived in Battersea for six years so um, it's a bit bit further over but uh, yeah I know I I know the area when I worked on the Observer the Observer's offices were in Battersea okay so I knew the area quite well right okay um, and we've we've got one of our young people just before we leave the leave the topic of your books. Um, we've got one of our young people who's doing her project um, as a she's going to try and write some children's books. So do you have any advice for her? That's uh, for M- Emma Johnston. She's hoping to write some books that will encourage uh, young people about Antarctica. Well, hello, Emma. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure yeah, she will. <laughs> very happy uh, to help in fact if Alan wants to pass on my email address you can always drop me a line uh, if you want some specific uh, detail or background but in essentially the the, uh, the advice I give to lots I do quite a lot of talks in schools for mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. and one of the basic bits of advice I give I give them is to write about something which interests you yeah it's yeah. like when you're at school, when your teacher gives you a really boring project, <laughs> basically you don't do it very well. When yeah. they give you something that interests you, mm-hmm. you throw yourself into it heart and soul. Right. Now, I happen, as it happens, I, I'm interested in, in, in polar exploration, and therefore I'm, I'm like a school child in, in my own way. So Great. in your way, I would read what you can about polar history mm-hmm. and develop your own thoughts about it. Yeah, And as I said... Genuinely, if Alan wants to pass on uh, my email address to you, mm. feel free to drop me a line. I'd be more than happy to offer you uh, any specific advice. That's but lovely. Write about something you enjoy. Yeah, that's lovely. I'm sure that'll be a real, real inspiration to us. So that's great. And good luck with it as well. 
yeah. <laughs> well, we, we've all got our projects, so we're trying to sort of integrate the whole thing, and each each one we're trying to create some sort of sustainability, so it's not just done and dusted. It has some sort of yeah. ongoing effect. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Um, and what do you love doing when you're not working? So when you're not writing, or um, what 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 other passions do you have? interested in politics in particular uh-huh. um, and I would be a, a great sporting man uh, I've been a, a lifelong Arsenal supporter okay. so <laughs> when I lived in London I was a season ticket holder at Arsenal right. so I missed a lot of time I travel quite a bit um, I've, I've always been interested in astronomy uh, so oh, I, okay. I, I, yeah. I quite like wandering out into the back garden at night and looking up at the heavens great uh, um, but, but uh, I, I, uh, uh, you know, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy travel. My wife and I travel a bit and um, yeah. go bits places. But that's that's my main. I'm fairly simple. Okay. Life, really. And I, I, I see that you're doing. I saw on your website you're doing talks for University of Third Age. So do you do, you do a lot for them? Because my mum's heavily involved in that. So. Oh gosh, I, I'm. I must have. Uh, spoken to over the years to about 20, 25 different branches of the U3A. Yeah. Like women's institutes, uh-huh. um, local history societies, the Towns Women's Guild. Right. And in Ireland in particular, my book's very popular in Ireland, I should say. Mm-hmm. Now, especially the, with Tom Queen and Shackleton, yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I've been to Ireland many, many times and, and I, I must have uh, lectured thousands of school children in wow. Ireland about um, about Crean and Shackleton and people oh, that's like great. that. Okay. The interest over there is phenomenal and in fact the Tom Crean book uh-huh. just as a, as an interest for the for the, the younger watchers yeah uh, uh, as a result of the popularity of my book yeah the story is now on the curriculum in Irish schools. Oh wow. That's fantastic. So every, every that's... child in Ireland is now being taught about Tom Crean. That's great. Oh, that might. Oh, that must yeah. feel good. Yeah. No, that's good. That's Very great. Yeah. yeah. All right. No, I, I, I went over to before lockdown. Just before lockdown, I, I actually went over to Athai for the first time and visited the oh, yeah. the heritage centre there. So I know you've been there. So yeah. Many yeah, times. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, really I'm, nice I know place. Yeah, that's great. And Shackleton's house where Shackleton <laughs> was born is not too far away. I was there. Not that's long. A... I was there last year actually. Yeah. Great. Um, okay, so we'll go into the the second main question, which is, uh, can you uh, can you share with us your earliest memory of polar history? Can be a, uh, your earliest polar memory or your earliest life memory? Well, I suppose yeah. the polar stuff would be the would be the most relevant to mm-hmm. this discussion, really, mm-hmm. because you know my earliest memories are those of a child, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with your parents playing football in the street, all that sort of okay. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think the earliest polar memory, and, and uh, I mean, I say this a lot to people, yeah. is that when I was at school, I suppose about 12, 13, 14 maybe, mm-hmm. I plucked a book off the shelf in the school library at random. Okay. And it happened to be uh, effectively a picture book. Yeah. Not, not much text, but largely pictures, about Scott's expedition. Okay. And I was absolutely captivated. I mean, the pictures are dramatic, as we know. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was captivated by it, and I just wanted to know more. Yeah. And so I, over the years, I began to look at books and buy a few books. Right. And um, I now have...
have what you can possibly see behind me. <laughs> I have about uh, 400 books, I suppose. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's where my fascination comes from, the age of about sort of 13, 14. That's I lovely. I love the fact it was a random choice as well, because then, Completely, you know, yeah, you could, yeah. your, your, your life could have gone in a completely different direction um, just from the choice it of is, this book. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's nice. And uh, I, I, um, I, I, I think that uh, I had a not not quite the same because it wasn't Antarctica and it it, it was it wasn't uh, that. But I, I think I mine was uh, a one about uh, Hillary, uh, Edmund Hillary. So uh, and definitely yeah. So I picked up a book about that and that sort of got me interested in in the general sort of thing of exploration and people doing things because they're there sort of uh, <laughs> yeah. things. Well, yeah, you have to seize the moment. Yeah. I'm a great believer in seizing the moment. I go back to your, yeah. your friend Emma. Yeah. You know, if, if you like writing and you like history, seize the moment and do it. <laughs> Definitely. Great. Uh, thanks for that. Um, okay, so uh, this is our special question that's reserved specially for this podcast. Um, so... Um, if you could go back in time um, and you could meet Sir Ernest Shackleton, and, and of course this is very appropriate for you having written a number of uh, books about him, what is it you would like to ask him personally? Um, that's a really difficult question because mm -hmm. one of the, the things that from an author's point of view and I'll just digress for a second, yeah. is that Shackleton is such a rich character, and I don't mean financially it's Very rich. complicated it character, yeah, 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 yeah. There's thousands of questions okay. I want to ask him. I suppose <laughs> the first question I would ask him is, what are you having? Because I'd want to get him a little bit drunk. So <laughs> really. uh, and then That's a great... And um, I, would, uh, I would want to know, really, about... Uh, his decision making. Yeah. I think one of the okay. things which stands out about Shackleton is that he was a man of, of incredible judgment mm -hmm. at, at the most crucial moments. I right. Mean, he was a very complex character and a mm -hmm. man of huge contradictions. Mm -hmm. Moments of stress, he had an extraordinary ability to make the right decision. Yeah. If only we all did yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When under pressure. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So, so you'd 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 ply him with ply him with a drink, uh, his favourite whiskey. Yeah, and then get him to talk about decision making. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, now uh, we have uh, we're in our letters for request. We get to you for unbelievable truth. So this is. Uh, can you tell us something about you that might surprise us? Something we wouldn't expect. So something about yourself that uh, might surprise us. Maybe somebody, something, someone unusual you've met or some unusual experience you've had. Well, I've, I have to say that as, as a journalist in particular, it's a very interesting life. You do mm -hmm. meet, meet interesting people. But here's a story which um, you couldn't make up, really. <laughs> um, Tom Crean um, uh, lived in the west coast of the island in Kerry. Yeah. And um, he opened a pub. Oh retired. yeah, the polar, the polar in, or, yeah, South Pole, South Pole, yeah, yeah. And I was there a few years ago. Been there quite a few times, mm -hmm. um, as you might imagine. <laughs> and I was in the pub one day with my wife, and oh. there was hardly anybody in there. 
and outside I saw a limousine pull up. Wow. <laughs> obviously that arrests your attention in very rural Ireland. Uh-huh. There aren't too many limousines. And out came Sir Edmund Hillary. Oh, my word. <laughs> and Ed Hillary was a great fan of Tom Cruise. Oh, and wow. He came in with his wife and, his, and a friend. He was over in Ireland. Uh-huh. Because he was born on the same day as Tom Cream, as it happens. Oh, right. And um, so they shared a birthday. And, and um, wow. he came into the pub and, and I was introduced to him because he was there because of Tom Cream. Uh-huh. He was opening an exhibition on Tom. Yeah. And we sat in the corner and had a drink for about half an hour with nobody wow. else in the bar. I'm very <laughs> jealous indeed. Because <laughs> he's a. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's. That's a fantastic, and what a privilege as well to actually, uh, yeah, man, good, lovely, good, lovely good man. timing that one. <laughs> you had to ha- had to visit a few times. I hadn't arranged to go there. I just said to my wife, "Come on, we'll we'll go down to the South Pole in," and we went in there. Sure enough, that's, the door opened. Ed Hillary. That's, was a very, that's very great. Big man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. So, yeah, thank you for that. Wow. Okay. So, uh, have you been to Antarctica? I haven't asked you if you've actually been. No, the farthest no. south I've been is Nice. No, okay. So, if you were to go to Antarctica or somewhere remote like that, um, what emergency rations would you have to have with you? So, what would be your your favourite food, your favourite treat to take with you? Well, I, I suspect there aren't too many varieties of this, but my favourite food is Indian food. Okay. And I suspect... Uh, I suspect So we wouldn't have to wait. Exactly as I've done, the, yeah. the, what, what these men like Shackleton and Crean and the others, and uh-huh. how they survived. Oh, pe- pemic- pemmican and things like that. Unbelievable what they lived off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, um, but they survived somehow on things. And so I, I think I would be um, uh, fairly adaptable. Okay. But you, you wouldn't mind if they opened the first Indian restaurant down <laughs> Okay. All right. And uh, do you have a, a keepsake or something special that if you travel, you always have to have with you? No, not no, really. No, no nothing I'm like that. No, no, okay. I, do you, I, I, I imagine... I my phone, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> and imagine as, as an author, you've probably always got a notebook and pen with you as a journalist or... or yeah. Yeah. Always have a bit of paper something. <laughs> okay. You never stop working. No, no. <laughs> um, and, and really, it brings us to your thoughts about Antarctica as a continent. So could you share with us just how you feel about Antarctica and, and why you think it's such an interesting place? Or um, I think the, the, the thing which appeals to me about Antarctica is not just the stories which I write about, which mm-hmm. are, you know, genuinely remarkable i didn't make them up but mm-hmm. they, i'm just mm-hmm. i'm just a storyteller a humble storyteller mm-hmm. um, but what is is so impressive about the antarctic is the sheer scale of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know it's bigger than all of europe i know when you actually put when they have these things where they superimpose yeah. the map over it's incredible 
Yeah. But that's kind of quite an intangible thing when mm. you say that because mm. clearly nobody is going to lift up Antarctica and put it on top of Europe. That's mm-hmm. not but what you can say is that if you took the entire populations of Sweden, France, Britain, Ireland, Germany, Italy, and all the countries of Europe, right? there is nobody in Antarctica. Yeah, yeah. In comparison, literally a yeah, few visiting yeah, scientists, yeah, a few yeah, thousand yeah, scientists who have yeah, won next, yeah, next year or the year after. Yeah, yeah. Antarctica is bigger than all of those countries, and, and that puts no it in perspective. Mm. And you can imagine mm. the sense that people like Ernest Shackleton and Tom Crane and the others mm-hmm. must have felt at times when they were on this vast continent. Mm-hmm. And there was nobody within thousands of miles of them. Incredible. It's impossible yeah. today. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. impossible today to be yeah. as isolated as they were a hundred years ago. That's it. It, it. That that does put it in perspective. That does put it in perspective. It does. When you actually think of it like that, and uh, how remote it is, and how uninhabited it really is. Yeah. Mm. And I think okay. people also make the mistake of, um, you know, you have what we would call modern day travellers and, and I'm not in any way disparaging them but mm-hmm. people who go to the Antarctic for their own interest mm. and everybody says oh yeah it's fine for them because they've got all the GPS stuff and they've got all the modern equipment and they're well fed and they're well trained mm-hmm. all of that is absolutely true no mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. but as a friend of mine who has walked to the South Pole once said to me mm-hmm. a blizzard in minus 40 it's still a blizzard yes. in minus yes. 40. Yes. <laughs> it matter what you're wearing, what you're eating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, it's definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So I always think of that and also the, this, the loneliness mm-hmm. in one sense. The remoteness, yeah. All these men stuck together because they were so isolated mm. in a way that it's impossible for us to to uh, even think about these mm. days. And I, th- I, I, I suppose we've got, we got the communication as well now, haven't we, which just wasn't so there then. You know, it could have been months, months. Alone. Yeah, I mean, they could have gone months without getting news through. A, a major event could have happened in the world and they wouldn't have known about it, you know, or didn't know about it. Well, so, over, yeah. over years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Ross Sea Party, for example, for example uh-huh. was for, for over 15 months. Right. But yeah, so it, it is that sense of, of isolation, and mm-hmm. there must have been times when they looked up right. and thought, we are the only people on this vast <laughs> continent. Just incredible, really. Yeah, cool. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, really appreciate it. So thank you so much, Michael. Yeah. Good luck with the project. Thank you. So thanks for listening. To find out more about the Request 2021 project and how you can support and follow our progress, just visit our website on www.request2021.org.uk. That's www.request2021.org.uk. And uh, please give this podcast a review, share it, and uh, and spread the word to anyone you know who's interested in Antarctica. Thank you.